part of the danger of digital, digital illiteracy is that you are more likely to fall prey to maybe something we can call digital hubris, right? Thinking that social media gives you a pass on things, be them ethics or just good policy. That was Rose Tantrapole. She's attended three of my social media marketing workshops. And in this episode, you're going to find out why. Thanks for downloading this episode of On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. Despite the widespread adoption of social media on a global basis, most companies today remain clueless about how digital technology is changing the way people communicate and share information. How else do you explain the actions that spurred articles about the following events in the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal? Burson Marsteller's email smear campaign against Google for Facebook. Now, not addressing the ethics issues, all I can say is, really? Is that the best they could do? Or a famous British soccer player's lawsuit against Twitter to unmask his anonymous critics? You're kidding, right? Does he really think he's going to gag Twitter with a super injunction? And if he did, does he genuinely think it's an effective way to manage his reputation? Or what about J.C. Penney and Overstock.com's decision to employ black hat SEO tactics resulting in their websites being manually demoted in the search ranks? I guess that's what happens when senior management is clueless about organic search. The truth is these lapses in judgment are all so sophomoric, all you can really do is chalk it up to digital illiteracy. And by the way, if the errors that Burson and J.C. Penney made aren't clear to you, you're digitally illiterate and ill-equipped to handle corporate communications in this day and age. But don't feel too bad. You're not alone. And chances are, it's not even your fault. You've probably been to a few social media conferences where you learned just enough to be dangerous. Speakers took to the stage and shared their success stories about how well they've used social media to promote themselves and generate new business. But they avoided the gory details because who wants to talk about failure among their peers? So the problem is this. No one's ever actually sat you down and explained how these channels really work and how to master them. Why would they? They want you to hire them. The fight against digital illiteracy will not be won through keynotes or panel sessions. What's required is practical training and applied knowledge. For the last seven years, I've been teaching social media training courses all over the world. Attendees bring their laptops, log on, and receive hands-on how-to instruction. They learn to build a social media monitoring dashboard to find, listen, and engage with their existing online community. Now, if you're digitally illiterate, you wouldn't know it, 
but you've got an online community already. So launching your own online community, if you haven't made friends with those there already, probably going to make you a few enemies. Or what about white hat search engine optimization tactics, right? Have you ever learned how to use search engine optimization to make it easier for your customers to find you via search? Actually, how to do it. Coming up first for the name of your company doesn't count. Google gives you that one for free. It's about coming up against early stage buyer-oriented keywords. Has anyone ever actually showed you how to find them? Or how to optimize a blog for social sharing. Can you install a Facebook like button, a tweet button, a LinkedIn share button on your corporate website? And can you optimize your Facebook status updates for maximum engagement so you rank high in the social news feed? And last but not least, what if things go sideways and you get called out by your opponents and critics on your Facebook page? Do you have a policy to guide your response? Or is your clueless C-suite or legal department likely to gag the communications team? With us today are three PR professionals from Martin Waymeyer Advocacy Communications in Central Michigan. And uh, they're going to tell us about how they've managed to awaken to the opportunity of digital and provide those services on behalf of their clients. We're going to start with partner Roger Martin. He is an APR. Um, Roger, tell us about sort of where you came from, your background, and how you've managed to institute digital services, social media communications services into your agency. Eric, it's a pleasure to be with you today, and, and it really started with a, a boot camp uh, one of your disciples attended, and one of our employees, uh, Andrea Ness, who's also on the call with us, and uh, she went to one of your boot camps, I believe, in 2007. I know Andrea's going to talk a little bit more about that uh, in a little while, but you know, my background and um, my background was journalism. Actually, I was a political and investigative reporter at the Detroit News uh, here in Michigan for a long time, and and uh, did what a lot of former journalists do these days and and even back then was um you know left the profession and went into a different uh, form of communications and that was into public relations issue management specifically and you know in 2007 it became it became pretty clear to us eric and i know we were probably a little bit behind um some some of the more um advanced social media practitioners out there including yourself um but in 2007 it became clear that the world was changing and uh that social media and, and you know and uh, and online communications and and mobile communications were going to be the future and my partner and I Dave Waymar and I sat down and said you know we've we've got to um get really really good at this and understand what this even means and rules of engagement now or we're going to be left behind and if and if we do it now and we can get it sort of ahead of the game here in, at least in Michigan uh, we had we had a good chance of you know bringing some really important services to our clients, which we are doing now on a daily basis. And, um, you know, thanks in a, in, a in a large degree to you, we have two disciples, actually, of your training on the phone, uh, um, Rose Tantropol, too. So I've actually gone to three of your sessions over the years, Eric. Um, and, you know, that's where it started. It started in 2007, and we brought in a, a trainer for two full days here at our offices back in summer of then 2008, and um, we haven't looked back since. Roger, you know, you, you see what's happening uh, in, in the headlines with respect to digital illiteracy in the workplace. Um, Absolutely. So, so, so and, and your impression is that you guys were actually late to the game in 2007. 
So, well, so you know, why do we have yeah. such digital illiteracy in the workplace today? What's going on? I think to a large degree, Eric, is people, you know, there's errors of omission and errors of commission. And I think to a large degree, there are people who just don't understand the rules of engagement. That, well, and, and beyond that, even more fundamentally, I see a lot of senior, mid-level and senior level managers at all sorts of corporations and organizations around the country who are my age, I'm in my early 50s and older, who don't understand still what it is or its power or its importance in communicating with internal, external audiences, with customers, with members, with, with whomever the audience, the media, with legislators, with whomever the audience might be, and they just sort of discount its importance. And, uh, you know, I think that's one big hurdle that still has to be cleared here uh, for, for, for organizations, senior management to really understand and then embrace it. And then, you know, then really understand how to apply it. Um, to, to their audiences and to their circumstances. I think that's really the big hurdle still, Eric. So when you are in a consulting environment and you're working with one of these perhaps older managers or decision makers who doesn't get it, what do you do? What's the strategy for showing them the light in the limited time of uh, you have with them? Well, we try to, you know, it just depends on the circumstance, but sometimes you, you try to work through people below them whom they've, in, they've entrusted in the, like, the communications team or their, or their legal teams or their marketing team who do get it. And then we sort of kind of maybe even double or triple team the senior manager and say, look, here's what your competitor's doing. Look, people are already talking about you and your organization in all these various forms. Why aren't you there? Why aren't you leading the discussion? And why? You know, it just makes no sense. People are there talking about you anyway. Uh, you've got to engage. You've got to engage. And, uh, you know, we've been able to convince a number of, of hospitals, school districts, um, uh, and corporations, coalitions, trade associations, and others actually to get in the game by, by sort of employing that, that, uh, that tactic. Go to people on staff already who get it, who are trusted by the senior manager, and then show them that, right, look, here are, here are a thousand examples of people already talking about you on all these various social media forums. And, oh, by the way, here are your competitors. And here's your, or here's your opponent. Or here's your supporters. And, you know, trying to get them engaged that way. And that, that off, more often than not, we find works. Roger, I, I get it if um, the opportunity is, is a good one. Um, but what about when things go south? What about when things go sideways? Um, and at that point, I would imagine, you know, the senior level manager is going to need to trust someone underneath them to, to lead them to safe ground. And that's less likely to happen. I mean, do, do you think that, that perhaps do you think the answer to avoiding the types of incidences we saw with the Burson Marsteller case and the British soccer player and the JCPenney overstock uh, issues that I mentioned earlier in the intro. <clears throat> Do you think that there's a way to avoid that type of a scenario um, without a digitally literate senior management? The, 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 the digitally illiterate have to become the digitally literate, Eric. And I, you know, I don't know another way of, of avoiding it. And um, I, you know, if, if, you know, some bonehead soccer player out there thinks they're going to gag Twitter thinks that they're suddenly going to, you know, put this, uh, you know, piece of paper granted by, you know, a court, a judicial system in, in, in London, um, it just, it just makes no sense. Um, and that, you know, if someone really understood what Twitter was, if that individual did, or someone even with 
his soccer club understood what it was. Maybe they could have talked some sense into him. You know, same thing with, um, you know, the, the, I think there's a little bit of probably difference between that and the situation with J.C. Penney and Overstock. You know, those, that sounded to me like um, potentially, you know, a, a consultant sort of run amok with no one watching. But, you know, if someone was watching and someone understood the rules of engagement, probably those black hat, you know, SEO tactics probably wouldn't have been allowed to move forward. I don't know. But, you know, it all comes down to so you've got to understand the rules of engagement. You know, early in the game, you know, if you don't understand the rules and you make a mistake, fine. If you understand the rules and you make a mistake, well, shame on you. But, you know, it all comes down to knowing what those are. And I, people, you're, you know, you're absolutely, I think you're, you know, your whole premise here about becoming digitally literate, I, there's going to come a point where you won't be able to function um, in, in the workplace anymore unless you understand because that's the way the world is going. Right? You just, you won't be able to function. Also on the line with us is Andrea Ness. She's Director of Graphics and New Media Services at Martin Waymeyer Advocacy Communications. Uh, Andrea, we, uh, we go way back, do we not? Yes, we do. We do. My bosses decided to send me to New York when uh, social media was starting to talk. You know, but the thing is, in Michigan, it wasn't really implied or done much anywhere in the business sense. So we knew it was important, especially for you know a public relations agency that wants to stay ahead of the curve, to just you know to go it. And if Michigan's not going to be doing it, then we need to go elsewhere and you know learn it from you guys. So. So, so Andrea, as a professional, I mean, you, you were you were in this business before social media was, you know, the hot subject. Um, mm -hmm. Talk to us a little bit about how you woke up to the opportunity and how you actually learned the skills you need to integrate social media into communications. Well, the one thing is, you know, you know, social media was really looked at, you know, back in the day as just, you know, something a personal thing that people would do. College kids would go on, you know, the people on Facebook were only college kids, and so. But we knew that that's where a lot of the audiences were going. And the thing is, if they're going to be online, then we need to come to them and, you know, and find them that way. If they're not going to come to our, you know, static websites and, you know, learn the information this way, we need to provide them an opportunity, you know, to get the information in a better way. So, so, so you know that. Now what do you do? How do you actually learn to do it? That is what the trainings are for. And we do that now. You know, we learn from you guys. Is, you know, we went to the, you know, the lunches where it's just a presentation and you, you see how important social media is. But the thing is, people would always walk away and say, what, where do we go from here? I'm completely lost. They say a blog is good and RSS feed is good, but like, what do we do? So we started instilling that with our practice is we would do the overall training to the higher ups, to the management level and say, this is important. And then the second round would be the actual sit down, bring your computer and laptop. Now this is how you get it done. So that was um, the way we do it. And we also instilled that with our uh, local CMPRSA chapter um, as a benefit to our members as well as you know, we did the lunches, and then, uh, you know, we're like, we need to provide this to our members. So we did, we started every other Friday lunch and learn where we would sit down with our members as a free service and provide them, you know, one day would be Twitter, one day would be Facebook, and it would just be a way to get, you know, Michigan on track to stay ahead. So. Why not just read, you know, articles on blogs and, uh, you know, hear high-level speakers talk about it? What, what is missing from that equation? The, the, just like you were saying, the process of how to actually do it. Like, you know it's important, but then someone from your company is going to have to learn how to do it. You know, so if you don't do it, then who's going to do it for you? So. 
And so, and so, is, yeah, go ahead. Go this is Roger, real quick. Let me give you just a quick example, you know, that I think is so relevant to what you do and, and being able to watch, being be able to, to see how training occurs. You know, musicians, you know, there was a day when it took, you know, if you're a guitarist, uh, it would take weeks sometimes to learn how to play a song when you didn't have YouTube. Today you can go on YouTube and literally look at you know fifteen bands playing the same version of a playing the same song and learn how to play it within a matter of fifteen or twenty minutes. And I think the same thing is beneficial with with that type of training. You can't just read it. You can't just read the notes. Um, you got to learn how to play them. Um, and and that 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 takes actually someone sitting down with you and showing you uh, that that is so important. Yeah, but and we do recommend that our executive level clients and whatnot also sit down for the trainings as well. So even though they might not be the ones day to day doing it, they at least know the concept behind it. You know the aspects behind it. What is wrong? What is right? What you should be doing? What your staff should be doing? Like social media policies. So we do try to stay and keep them engaged throughout the whole process. Rose Tantrapol. Um, we met a way back too, right? You're, you, Rose is a senior account exec at Martin Waymar Advocacy Communications. And uh, when did we first meet, Rose? We met in 2008 when I first took your, I took a half day social media workshop with you. Which one? Where did I teach it? In Detroit. Half day at was. The Inter- at, the CM- at the PRSA International Conference. Okay, now that was a full day. In Detroit, because the okay. one, yeah, the ones I do there is a full yeah, day sorry, one, yeah. yep. not a full two day. day, a single day one. Yeah. And so you know, before that event, what was your knowledge of social media? Yeah, I'm happy to share my my story about my journey through the social media landscape because I I think it speaks to the importance of timing in your training, knowing when to set aside resources for conferences versus setting aside resources for, you know, actually hands-on training. Prior to meeting you, I'd, um, been, uh, I'd started at uh, Michigan's largest health system. I was a media relations specialist there. And I had dabbled in Twitter on my own in microblogging and a little bit in blogging. But it's quite a different thing. It's a pretty significant leap to go from kind of playing around with these platforms on a personal level to trying to implement them for a 7,000 employee organization. So about six months into this uh, new job, I met you at the, uh, at the social media workshop, and it was the perfect time because what it gave me were two really important things to take back to my organization at that time. It gave me the technical know-how, how to set up a dashboard, what are the free tools, what are the paid tools, what options do we have, and how can we you know, implement internal workflows that would allow us to monitor um, everything we needed to monitor with the resources that we had. It also gave me uh, something that I kind of think of as maybe thought leader backing, if you want to look at it that way. I was able to come back and, you know, talk to the C-suite and say, hey, I understand that social media may not feel like it's something you want to get into right now. Um, I found in my experience that healthcare in particular is a really different beast. It's a really fascinating industry. And healthcare organizations often tread hyper-carefully before they go into something when it comes to communications. And, you know, just having the best practices um, knowledge under my belt, what are people out there doing? What are healthcare organizations specifically doing? How can I mesh that with what I know about communications and really take this organization forward 
those are two really key things to come away from. You know, again, both the technical know-how, but also the takeaways, so that I could really sit down and and convince the the C-suite that this was something worthwhile into putting resources into. Rose, before you took uh, my uh, social media boot camp in Detroit, um, I imagine you, you weren't coming in green. You had done some homework on your own, right? I did. I, you know, I read about this stuff. I, like I said, I was uh, playing on, on Twitter and, and Jaiku and some of the other platforms and, and kind of dabbling in, in WordPress at the time. So what is it about a practical hands-on training where you bring your computer that's different? What do you get in that type of a scenario? And I guess why is it now that you guys are even doing that internally at your agency? Like, because there doesn't, I don't see a lot of that going on. I see a lot of conferences. I see a lot of keynotes. I see a lot of sessions, but I don't see a lot of hands-on training. What is different about training? What does training provide that conferences don't? And, uh, you know, tell me a little bit about how you guys are doing it internally at your organization. Sure. That's a great question. And I think you and I have, have talked um, on a couple occasions about how the devil's in the details. In the social media realm, you really do need to know the ins and outs. On, on Twitter, for example, what's a retweet? What's a reply? Um, it's, it's, it's one thing to know the theory of how to communicate via 140 characters. It's another thing entirely to be able to set up a dashboard and, and use the right keywords to monitor the issues and... Um, the, you know, if it's a, a service line or a company that you're monitoring, to, to, to actually set that up so that you are catching the things that you need to catch so that you're not missing crucial details um, and, and, and perhaps missing out on a whole conversation that's taking place about you. So being able to sit down, sit in front of, um, you know, your computer or sit with your smartphone and really see how on a practical level with the resources that you have, you can execute the monitoring um, plans that you have is, is absolutely crucial. And I think, um, you know, how we're doing that here now is we both do that for our clients, and we also teach our clients how to do that for themselves. So it, it's an important mix of, um, you know, it's a whole new world, really. You're, you're looking at a world that looks very different from the world that people often understand. And to be able to kind of make sense of you know, four panels on Hootsuite and know what you're looking at, it, it does take both that theoretical knowledge and also the technical know-how of, of what you're looking at and how to handle it. She's good, Roger. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, they're both amazing. You know, Eric, when Andrea first came back from your, your boot camp in 2007, and we decided that we were going to learn what social media was more than actually going to try to do training with our clients. Andrea was the one who insisted to us. She said, "Look, you're not. We're just not going to take out a keynote or a PowerPoint here. You know, we're we're going to actually do this in a way that they that our clients, whoever we're training, has to have a lap. Everyone in the room has to have a laptop in front of them. Has to be high speed internet access, and they're going to learn how to to set up a you know their their their." Uh, Twitter handle right there. How to set up a Facebook page? When to Facebook? When to tweet? When? What's the best way? You know that she really insisted that that was the right way to do it. And I think you know that is the right model. You got to show people, or they're just not going to get it. So, Eric, let's fast forward about a year and a half from the first time I met you at the uh, full day uh, social media workshop. I attended a two day social media boot camp out in San Francisco with you, and 
by that time, I was really comfortable with all these platforms. I was using them on a personal level. I was successfully implementing them on a professional level, you know, from the point of having to convince um, upper-level management that this is where we should go. So that two, well, the, the beauty of the two-day boot camp for me was being able to drill down in the areas where I had questions about. And that's something where, you know, no matter how many Mashable stories you read a day, there are certain technical questions that you just need to be able to talk to your colleagues or to talk to trainers about. Um, and, and having that, that time, those two-day uh, boot camps are pretty amazing because you get the breath and you also get the depth. And being able to sit down and say, okay, I, I did this this one time and I had this one question about it, um, you know, how, how, what are other ways that I could have done that it is really invaluable. It also was a, a chance for me to kind of explore the uh, platforms and the technologies that my organization at the time wasn't using. Video is a great example of that. Um, what kind of camera should we get? What should we even look at? You know, I remember having, I remember very clearly having that conversation with you about cameras. And, and one thing that a lot of people don't even think about with video cameras is the audio. And I remember, I think it was our, you know, you were the first one I kind of heard it from, which is you, you can have this amazing um, resolution, but if the audio for that video camera doesn't work, then you're really nowhere in, in, in terms of communicating via social media. So that two-day boot camp was, uh, was critical, and it was the perfect time because, again, I had been, um, you know, kind of really getting in-depth in, in these platforms for about 18 months. And I'll fast forward one last time, Eric, to uh, earlier this month when I saw you again at Digital Impact. Um, obviously, that was a conference, not a hands-on workshop, but the beauty of that, by that time, I had um, joined Martin Waymeyer. And, you know, to look back at 2008 and 2011, it's just night and day in terms of the role social media plays in my life. I mean, it now informs everything I do on a personal and a professional level. Um, the beauty of digital impact was the inspiration that you get from being there. You know, at, at some point when you are familiar with these platforms and you are um, working with clients um, on them, it's really nice to be able to be with colleagues who are on the verge of that next thing that's going to pop, the next thing that's going to be able to allow us to communicate on a whole other level in another different way. And I really appreciated the creativity and, you know, just again. For those who are interested, I want to take a quick break to let you know that you too can take one of my social media marketing workshops. Uh, the next one is going to be in Los Angeles on June 30th and July 1st, 2011. Uh, the courses are small. I usually cap attendance at around 20. It's taught in a classroom environment where broadband is provided. You bring your laptop and it's not just lecture. You're led through a series of hands-on exercises. Um, they frequently do sell out, not always, but frequently, and we're about half full so far. So if you want in on this next one, uh, go to www dot social media bootcamp dot com. By the way, uh, you know, after having that conversation about cameras with uh, several dozen of other folks like you, I finally wrote a blog post with my three recommended audio and video recording rigs for content marketers, and I'll have a link to that blog post in the show notes. Uh, interestingly enough, Rose, if you remember, um, at the Digital Impact during my keynote, I asked for a show of hands uh, to see how many people in the audience knew 
their what the impact of inbound links was on their search rank, and I think two or three hands went up out of you know several hundred people, and it just got me thinking, my gosh. Uh, you know, we we're here talking about these big ideas, but when it comes down to actually executing in the trenches, I'm talk we're, we're dealing here with uh, with an audience that is largely in the dark. Uh, but Roger, um, you know, Burson Marsteller, uh, you know, this company is no newcomer to communications. Uh, they're one of the three largest PR agencies in the world. Very yeah. experienced. Um, the two uh, practitioners uh, who were responsible for these um, emails um, that was part of this smear campaign against Google uh, for Facebook their client Google, Facebook. Yeah. I mean, it was via yeah. email. I mean, hello. Yeah. Via, I mean, and, right. how, how basic can you get? Right. Right. So what's going on? I mean, it seems so basic. It seems so simple. Yet when it gets down to the practical level, you know, what's what's going wrong here? Well, that that was an organizational fumble, um, uh, if I've ever seen one. Um, I, I mean, first of all, the PRSA code of ethics is clear: you disclose who your client is. I, it is it is it is fundamental to you know to the ethics of our of our profession. You have to do it, and you know to hide in the shadows like that is clear violation. I'm certain it was. Burst and Marsteller um, acknowledged in in the wake of all this, it was a violation of their internal policy, and it was clearly a violation of the PRSA code of ethics. You can't do that, and it makes the whole profession look bad. So, you know, clearly the practitioners either, I can't imagine, didn't understand that rule of engagement. Um, but senior management there clearly wasn't watching either. And, and you know, the fact that the client would let them go ahead and do that was just, I, you know, Facebook, who is the social world, social media world, were uh, employing tactics that were so counter to its, um, to its uh, ethics and, you know, to its acceptance. And I, it's just, it's startling. Um, and, you know, we all make mistakes, Eric. We, we all do. And sometimes, again, I spoke a little earlier about errors of omission and commission. If you don't understand the rules and you violate them, fine. Move, you know, learn and move on. But at that level, they knew what they were doing. Um, I was, I've been in the media, I've been, you know, a journalist at a very high level and I know when, when tactics are being employed to try to get me to do something, um, uh, to get me a story, you know, and get me on page one or whatever. Uh, and that, that was just, just shocking, just shocking. Roger, uh, and, and, and many of our listeners probably will, will think me a devout cynic. Um, but several years ago, uh, when the U.S. Department of Justice launched an antitrust uh, suit against Microsoft for linking their operating system to their browser, the whisper, you know, the word on the street was that uh, a, a little co a company that was a little company at the time that starts with the letter G was behind that smear campaign. Um, the truth is, there is a lot of money at stake, and greed is ugly. Oh, absolutely! And we are yeah. talking about war here. This is capitalism. So, yeah. I, you know, I don't want to get into the ethics about it, and I don't want to take a Pollyanna uh, attitude towards it. Uh, there's a war being fought here, but but what what strikes me as bizarre is not so much that Burson took the business or went after Google on behalf of Facebook, what strikes me as just sophomoric is how they did it via email. I mean, that right. to me seems the, seems the major lapse in judgment. 
yeah, well, I, I look at it from both perspectives. Yeah, there's that, uh, you know, it's like signaling the, you know, the uh, reverse you're going to run um, before you run the play. Uh, but you know, also I, I look at it from from a from the owner of a firm. I have to look at it from an ethical perspective too. I look at it from from an APR's perspective. I, it's just it's just wrong. You, you don't you don't do that. Yeah, uh, I'm not I'm not contesting. It's funny that they did it via email. Uh, yeah, I'm not <laughs> contesting that. Funny. But in this in this yeah. discussion about digital literacy, yeah, you know, right. it yeah. seems it seems digitally illiterate to try to yeah. do some sort of a whisper <laughs> campaign via digital media. Right, right, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah a whisper yeah, is something yeah. that is 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 whispered, and then you know is is something that which something for which you need not be accountable. But as soon as right. it's recorded and discoverable, you're accountable. Yeah, that, you're accountable. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Eric, this is Rose. I, this makes me think that um, you know what part of the danger of digital digital illiteracy is that you are more likely to fall prey to maybe something we can call digital hubris, right? Thinking that social media gives you a pass on things, be them ethics or just good policy um, when you're executing communications and, and doing good public relations. Well, I appreciate you three taking the time to have this conversation with me. Um, you know, over the, as I mentioned, over the last seven years, I have been fortunate enough to travel the globe and lead these social media training sessions and uh, you know really I think the best way to communicate the value of taking you know one two three days out of your life with your laptop to actually learn some applied practical social media communication skills is to hear from others who have done it so it's it's uh, very generous of you to agree to have this conversation with me well Eric we appreciate your uh, the opportunity Keep up the good work. Thanks so much. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com.